1: If you are struggling or searching for something more, if you are in need of some spiritual direction, our Catholic priests are here to help. One
0: heart at a time.
1: Welcome to The Inner Life on Relevant Radio.
2: And it's my pleasure to welcome you too to The Inner Life if you need a bit of help and Encouragement in your journey of faith today. We are here for you. Thank you for joining us, our spiritual directors, priests from around the country. Join us each and every day here on The Inner Life to offer some guidance, some help, and some support as we all... Continue to make this journey of faith and grow in our relationship with the Lord. My name is Patrick Conley. I am in for Josh Raymond this week. Grateful for the opportunity and the privilege of being with you. And today we're going to talk about post-abortive healing. Obviously, a very sensitive subject. Uh, many much care needs to be taken in and around this subject, but it's one that is very real and sheds light uh, on a very real issue as well. Our spiritual director to lead us through this, this topic is Father Ben Cameron. He is currently pastor at both St. Helens Catholic Church and Our Lady of the Caves Catholic Church in the Archdiocese of Louisville, Kentucky. Welcome, Father.
0: Thank you. Appreciate being on with you
2: absolutely and and uh just i have to i have to clarify here at the outset father that uh i am I'm from the northern part of the u s did I get louisville the the pronunciation right there uh the
0: people in the city say Louisville. But
1: uh, most of us say Louisville, which is
2: okay. One all, right. <laughs> all right, I'm not from very there. very good. So. Okay, all <laughs> right. Well, just what I I had heard, uh, I had heard that uh, yes, there are different ways of pronouncing it. But uh, nonetheless, we're grateful for your service there in the uh, Archdiocese of Louisville, and we are we are grateful for your time with us today as we talk about this sensitive subject of post-abortion healing. And maybe we'll just start off, Father, by uh, asking you, why is this such an important topic to be talked about? I know it's so sensitive and yet um, at the same time we do want to bring it to light. Why is it so important to talk about a healing after having had an abortion?
0: Well, there's been um, over, somewhere over 60 million abortions in the United States alone since Roe versus Wade. and uh, for every abortion, there's been not only a child that's died, but there's been a mother, that's been wounded um, by the experience, by the loss of her child. There's been a father who has been wounded um, by the fact that he wasn't there to protect his child or, or maybe even pushed for the abortion. There are grandparents that are wounded. There are siblings that are wounded. You know, when there's somebody who's been been lost, um, been taken away from us, and especially in an unjust way like this, um, there's a tremendous amount of woundedness. And And a lot of times there's actual trauma, psychological, Mm. emotional trauma that people have undergone. So our Lord doesn't just want to forgive people the sins they committed, but he wants to heal the wounds that keep us from from really loving him the way we should, that keep us from really loving our family members and other people the way that we're called to or commanded to. Um, And some people who maybe they didn't have any guilt, they weren't... Involved in the abortion decision, or maybe it was a woman who was uh, pressured unduly, um, but they still have that trauma. They still have that wound, and uh,
2: like I said, God wants to heal those things to, so that we can really love as we should. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, and that's a it's a great uh, reminder that our Lord is not just in the business of wiping sins away. Which, of course, He is in that forgiveness. But with that forgiveness of sins comes. Uh, the offer of healing, of uh, full and supportive healing, to as I, as you so astutely point out, Father, not just for the people maybe uh, directly involved, but also for all of those who are uh, also involved with uh, a mother, a father, someone who is has gone through this, this, uh, yeah, this very hard. Time in their life. And uh, yeah, so I am just curious too, Father. And have you personally, I assume that many of our priests have uh, have engaged this at least on some level. Uh, can you give us a little bit of an idea of how you have interacted um, in this realm, in the realm of post abortion healing? Uh, well,
0: I'm a Father of Mercy um, missionary. Um, I'm now assigned to our parish here in Kentucky, but. For 20 years, I would give parish missions and retreats, and I, I experienced people coming, you know, with a tremendous wound, and and at first, I didn't really know how to help them beyond just giving some words of encouragement after, you know, confession or whatever, and um, and eventually, I, I discovered Rachel's Vineyard, and um, and went and made a Rachel's Vineyard retreat in order to learn more about it, and. So I've been involved with Rachel's Vineyard um, post-abortion ministry for over 16 years. Um, I've been running the Western Kentucky retreats and uh, helped with retreats in Memphis, Tennessee and Coleman, Alabama as well. So I've I've just had a lot of um, time, you know, just uh, going through the retreat process with
2: people and walking with people and and the journey of healing. Right. Wonderful. Thank you for your, your service and your ministry there as well. Um, and maybe just a, a word or two for any listeners who might not be familiar with Rachel's Vineyard. Can you just speak a, a little bit about that?
0: So Rachel's Vineyard is um, a a Catholic uh, founded um, retreat ministry. Though there's a Catholic form of the retreat and a, what we call an interdenominational form of the retreat that um, some Protestants would feel more comfortable with. Um, but it's a, it's a Christ centered. Um, spiritual retreat um, that kind of works along the lines of the Ignatian spiritual exercises in a certain sense in helping us to visualize and to bring to light and and to really apply in our lives the lessons uh, from the gospel where we meet Jesus. We meet Jesus as our healer, as our savior, um, and and we, we begin to experience him. But it's not just hearing about the gospels and stuff—it's actually entering into them and, and employing all of our senses and our and our minds and our hearts and our wills um, into um, into that meeting with Christ. And so He really is the one who who touches people and heals people. Um, and uh, but there is a there is a, the psychological element is is involved. There's always a counselor involved to to help. Um, you know, usually uh, a master's level or higher counselor to help. There's always a priest uh, or an interdenominational form of minister there to assist um, and a team of people there to um, lovingly um, and non-judgmentally help people um, to meet Christ and to come to that um, point of acceptance of their past. Um, and, 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 Embracing the the forgiveness and the healing that Jesus offers.
2: Mm, Wonderful. Thank you for that. Well, I will pitch it out to the listeners. If you have a story of having received healing after an abortion, whether you are the mother herself or a father or a relative or a friend of someone who you know have has received this healing or is stands in need of this healing, if you have a story to share with us today, we would love to hear from you. Our number here in the inner life is triple eight nine one four nine one four nine again that 's eight 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 nine one four nine one four nine You can also send us an email at innerlife at relevantradio dot well, Father, just a little thought about uh, specifically—you talk about healing uh, in addition to, or at least alongside of, the forgiveness that comes from Christ. When it when it when we talk about healing, let's talk a little bit from Scripture. Do you have some scriptural bases for the healing that needs to occur that has occurred that we see uh, after an abortion has taken place?
0: Um. Well, as far as scriptures that directly um, relate to abortion and say there's there's nothing in, about abortion in scripture, but we see Jesus healing people throughout the Gospels, um, um, not just forgiving, but bringing people to it to a, a newness of life. Um, so, for example, the um, the woman at the well well of Samaria, um, Jesus knew what she needed, uh, knew the state of her soul. Uh, even before she said anything, in fact, he knew better than she did what she needed, um, and I think that's something that's an important. Um, little lesson for us is sometimes we're not even sure exactly where we need healing. Um, we're not exactly sure where our wounds are, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. but he does know it, and he wants to bring those things to light, like he did with the woman at the well. But so he forgave her. Um, didn 't explicitly in the gospel forgave her, but we know that she was changed by that experience with him, that encounter with him um, and so that 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 's just one um, but there's, there there's a, a number of others you know you can see um, Bartimaeus, um, the blind man being healed, and um, Jesus raising people like Lazarus from the dead um in fact these are some of the scriptures that we we enter into and we kind of uh, allow put ourselves into those scriptures uh when we make some Rachel's Vineyard retreat um, to see that we are blind, we are in a certain way spiritually dead um, you know, we have been um, living in living in a state of separation from God and 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 here he comes, you know to... To to bring us that healing. Um, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes when people come on the retreats, they're they've already been forgiven. They've already come to confession. They they know in their head that they're forgiven. They right. they know that by faith. But the knowing it in their heart, that the the truly embracing it from the depths of their soul, um, the forgiveness, and then that next step of healing that our Lord can, in fact, change everything. And uh, not take away what happened, but can transform, uh, and and we can see how even in that hardest thing that maybe we've ever experienced, that He was there, and that He is uh, going to bring us through that, and uh, and and even work that that really hard thing in our story into a beautiful um, thing, um, uh, that will ultimately be for our glory, um, in heaven, you know. Mm-hmm,
2: mm-hmm. So. Let's start even, uh, perhaps prior to that, Father, if you would, I'm sure that, uh, well, I myself have experienced the, the thought of, I don't know that God will forgive me for this, for other sins, uh, not the sin of abortion perhaps, but the sin, other sins that I've committed, and it's hard to it's hard to accept and receive God's forgiveness um, about uh, all sorts of sins. I'm sure that there are some who perhaps have had an abortion or uh, you know have aided in uh, a woman procuring an abortion that don't think that they can receive. They they don't believe that they can receive forgiveness. Maybe they think the church won't forgive them, that God won't forgive them. What would you say to them?
0: Well, I'd say that there's everything in Scripture tells us that God. Is a loving God that He is a merciful God, and that He, uh, in fact, desires nothing more than to heal us and to forgive us. That He doesn't. Um, God is not uh, presented in in Scripture as as being vengeful or wrathful. He, he's always calling His children back, and we see that throughout the Old Testament. The people of Israel kept going astray again and again and again, and God just always kept calling them back, calling them back over and over again, just infinite patience. Um, and and we see that in the in the in the history of the church as well. Um, there there are people who, um, well, let me give you an example. There was a guy in the French Revolution named Georges Danton. And Danton was the architect of the Reign of Terror, and he was the one who really got that whole two and a half years Reign of Terror going, where people were having their heads cut off right and left for almost anything. Tens of thousands of people uh, killed, Ten, uh, thousands of, of priests and religious and Catholics lost their their life, and it was Danton was the one who started all that. And yet, before it was over. God converted him, and then he went and tried to stop it, and lost his life. Uh, was executed himself. Um, it, you know, I, and here he, but he died as a repentant sinner. And we have every reason to believe that George Actonton is in heaven. You know, and there's people even worse than him, and so I, I look at and say, okay, all right, somebody's had an abortion, maybe multiple abortions, and they may feel like God won't forgive them but there are people who've murdered thousands uh, Bernard Nathanson the one of the founders of the um, of um, one of the big pro-abortion groups I can't remember which one um, but he he said he personally did something like 50,000 abortions and yet he was converted out of being the abortion industry and ended up becoming a Catholic and a very strong pro life advocate, um, you know. I mean, God could change and convert him who actually perform the abortions. Um, God can God can change any of us, and God wants to, and He wants us to experience that that merciful love. And uh, Jesus promises through His Sacred Heart with um, Saint Margaret Mary, uh, the Divine Mercy uh, revelations with uh, Saint Faustina, that. There's nothing beyond the reach of His mercy, nothing at all. Uh, his love and His mercy is far more powerful than any of our sins.
2: Yeah, well, it's wonderful to hear you say it. You know, I, I know that uh, it can take some extra added effort and some certainly some divine intervention for us to get that from our heads or from our ears to our heads and then, from, again, from our heads to our hearts and uh, really recognize that. But it's an important point to be said. We need to hear it again and again and again how scandalously large is the forgiveness of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Well, Father, I think what we're going to do is we're going to take a short break and then uh, we'll continue on with this important topic. Uh, We're talking about post-abortive healing today on The Inner Life. Our spiritual director is Father Ben Cameron. If you have a story of how abortion has affected your life and if you have been able to receive healing uh, please call in and give us your story, 888-914-9149. Again, that's 888-914-9149. Our email address here at The Inner Life is com Even if you are someone who knows someone who is in need of post-abortive healing, then call us and or send us an email and let us know. Join the conversation. Again, 888-914-9149. We're going to take a short break. When we come back, more on this important topic. Please stay with us.
1: If you are struggling or searching for something more, if you are in need of some spiritual direction, our Catholic priests are here to help. Call now, 1-888-914-9149. That's 1-888-914-9149. This is The Inner Life on Relevant Radio.
2: Welcome back to The Inner Life here on Relevant Radio. My name is Patrick Conley, in for Josh Raymond this week. And today we are engaging with the very sensitive but very important topic of post-abortive healing with our spiritual director, Father Ben Cameron, who joins us from the Archdiocese of Louisville, Kentucky, where he serves as pastor of both St. Helen's Catholic Church and Our Lady of the Caves Catholic Church. And, uh, Father, I think we'll, we'll go right to the phones and we'll take our first phone call. We have Nayeli calling in, who is calling in from Los Angeles. Nayeli, welcome to The Inner Life
3: hi how are you
2: doing well thank you
3: um well i just have my story that um i had an abortion when i was 14 and um like my mom kind of pushed me to go ahead and get it done because i was so young so all of my life i I'm, i'm 33 right now and um pretty much all of my life i thought that was the best decision that was taken for me and um but right after the abortion um a couple of years after that i was having nightmares i was having nightmares of of the baby the baby in in skeleton it it was horrific nightmares i would have migraines um i was suffering through depression at one point it was suicidal um my my dignity uh, my Self worth as a woman, like it completely dropped. I couldn't understand why. I was just going to go away and um, and I was suffering in silence. Um, kind of like nobody knew about it, but my mom and my sister. And um, and and I think like that was very harsh on me, until I was uh, until I was 24, and I was able to do my first communion. And right there, they talked to me. I was able to um, confess it. I was able to um, let it out and and kind of heal it. And I ha- I'm i not there yet. I've heard about um, Rachel's um, vineyard, and um, I would love to go. Uh, I know I need to go uh, to completely heal my soul, uh, but it did help that I went through confession, and they helped me out and helped me realize that what I did was very wrong, um, and, and that my soul needed healing.
1: Hmm.
0: Well, thank you for sharing that with us, Nayeli, and, and you know, the, the, having the nightmares and, uh, and, and those things that you talked about, those are very typical of people going through trauma. Um, uh, it's a form of post-traumatic stress disorder that uh, happens a lot of times when people have had abortions and um although i know you feel really guilty or felt really guilty about the abortion um actually your mom was the one who had the bigger responsibility um because you know she was your mother and she kind of you know pressured you to do that um but i definitely think that it would be good for Rachel's for you to do a rachel's vineyard um to help heal uh more the emotional pain and trauma and it would be, maybe it'd be good for you to invite your mother to make the retreat along with you. Um, because maybe that's something she needs, uh, for her own, uh, forgiveness and her, her own healing. Um, to recognize, you know, exactly what, what happened and that she lost a grandchild in that same moment. Um, so I'd encourage you to, to make the Rachel's Vineyard, but maybe ask your mom to make the retreat with you. But if she won't, Make the retreat for you no matter what.
2: Yes. And uh, Nayeli, I'm just curious as to as, as you continued to move on, as you made your con- confession and as you received forgiveness, uh, have you seen the healing continue on since then? I, I, I know you've said that you need to do a Rachel Vineyard retreat. Um, and have you, have you experienced some healing? And are you looking then to continue that healing?
3: Yes, yes, I have seen some healing. Um, I've uh, I've gone to, like, March for Life um, when I got married and I couldn't get pregnant. Um, it took a while for me to get pregnant, so I kind of felt like, like oh, it's a punishment. You know, I'm going through a punishment. Maybe I'm never going to be able to have kids. So that kind of depressed me, too. But then I got pregnant. God blessed me with two kids, a boy and a girl. And um I've even introduced them into like the value of life, the um you know, to have that love for life no matter what. Um and we go the three of us, we go to to the March for Life and um they're very aware of all this and so um yes, I do wanna continue healing and I, I have seen a lot of healing too. Mm.
2: And do you think your mother would be open to attending the retreat weekend with you?
3: I don't know if she would be open, but we have talked about it. We've cried about it. Um, I have forgiven her. Uh, She had asked for forgiveness. And, um, you know, like, she wasn't brought up in in a religious way either. So um, I also get and understand that she didn't grow up with those values, therefore how could she ever teach them to me? You know, but um, mm-hmm. I don't know. I that could be a, a, a an option that I could ask her and invite her to do so as well.
0: Mm-hmm. It, it certainly wouldn't hurt to to invite her to come with you. Um, but thank you for sh- sharing your story with us, and I think you you brought something very important um, out. Is that a lot of times. Um, Young women have abortions. They're they're very young, and they're under pressure. <clears throat> sometimes pressure from parents, sometimes pressure from friends and um, people in school with them and things. And so, a lot of times, that has a bearing on people's responsibility. So, uh, but thank you so much for uh, for calling in and sharing your story with us. And we'll pray for your continued healing.
2: Yes, Nayeli. Thank you so much for the courage that you showed in calling in and sharing your story with us. If you have a similar story, if you know someone who's in need of healing, if you yourself have received healing after an abortion, please do give us a call and join the conversation. Triple eight nine one four nine one four nine. Again, eight 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 nine one four nine one four nine. Father, just playing off of your last comments there to Nayeli and her courageous story there. What would uh, what can we do as people who are close to those who may be considering an abortion? How can we help them? Because as you said, sometimes there can be a tremendous amount of influenced uh, influence given on the part of the loved ones. There, how can we influence them to make the choice for life?
0: Well, I think one of the things is we have to um, to, to make a separation. Um, and this is an important thing. A lot of Catholics have the, have the notion that to get pregnant is a sin. And the getting of the, a girl getting pregnant is not where a sin took place. Uh, a sin took place in people having premarital sex or in somebody committing sexual assault or rape or whatever it was. Um, the pregnancy is always a blessing from God. Mm. Every child um, God created an immortal soul at the moment of conception. Every child is a gift. Um, and so th- the first thing we have to see is let us we've got to stop having the stigma of, oh, well, she's pregnant outside of wedlock. That pregnancy isn't the problem. Um, and once we get that in our minds, then it's like, okay, can I sit with her? Can I assist her? Can I... Uh, do, do, does she need to have somebody put their arm around her and say, it's okay. And I'm going to be with you and I'm going to help you with this baby. Um, uh, you know, sometimes girls just feel like they're alone. And if somebody says, Hey, I want to go with you. Let's go down to the local, um, pro-life pregnancy center. You know, let's get, you know, we'll do the pregnancy test. We'll go ahead. We'll, we'll start doing all the things we need to do to help you to have this baby, you know, mm-hmm. um, you know, help her with the discernment of whether she wants to give the baby up for adoption or whether she wants to to keep the baby. Um, but them knowing that they're not alone, I think, is a very important thing, and that they're loved, and that we're going to stand by them and help them, um, not just at this first moment, but through the pregnancy and into raising that child if she uh, makes the option to to keep the child. And to raise the child herself um i a lot of the time it's the, the the feeling alone feeling that you know i'm all i'm all out here i'm you know and um and so when they when they know that they're not alone and that we're standing by them, there was a priest um there is a priest that i I got to be friends with he's in Wyoming, but he um there was a, a, a young woman who was pregnant. She was uh, mentally disabled, and her parents are going to force her to have an abortion. And he went to the parents, and he said, uh, um, let me help your daughter, and me and my parish will take care of everything that she needs. And that's really the kind of thing that we have to do. We have to step up to be there for those girls and to, mm-hmm. to let them know that they're not alone in this. All right.
2: Right. Yeah, certainly that can be one of the great lies of the enemy, can't it, Uh, in in abortion and and any number of sins that we're alone and that we have no one to help us, no one to love us, no one to forgive us. And what a great testimony that can be. If you have served in that position, if you have not or if you've refused to let a young woman uh, who is pregnant unexpectedly and considering abortion, if you've refused to let her feel that she is alone. Give us a call and let us know. Testify to the Lord's goodness by calling 888 914 As we're talking about post-abortion healing here in the inner life with our spiritual director, Father Ben Cameron. Father, I know that uh, another ministry that exists is Grief to Grace. Can you tell us a little bit about Grief to Grace, please?
0: So uh, Grief to Grace is as a, kind of a sister ministry to Rachel's Vineyard. Um, both were started by Dr. Teresa Burke in uh, the Philadelphia area. And um, the, the, the principle of doing the Christ-centered retreat, uh, people really encountering Christ with uh, what we use in Rachel's Vineyard for post-abortion healing, that same principle is used um, in Grief to Grace to help people to find healing from sexual abuse. So there's there's a tremendous amount of people who have been wounded by sexual abuse. And a lot of times people think, oh, sexual abuse, you are talking about clergy sexual abuse. Most sexual abuse is not clergy. but So wherever it came from, clergy, parent, grandparent, an uncle, um, a teacher, coach, neighbor, um, there's a wound there. Uh, and a serious wound that oftentimes, interestingly enough, is linked later on to abortion hmm. um, because uh, for example, a girl who has suffered sexual abuse has uh, lost her sense of the dignity of being a woman and um, the dignity that she deserves to have and the way she should be respected. And so then it makes it more, her more susceptible to bad relationships um, which then, you know, promiscuity, um, and then um, uh, pregnancy and then feeling alone and then going off you know thinking abortion will solve the problem so grief to grace follows that same principle of how do we we bring these people to meet christ in the scriptures in this intimate uh this time of intimacy with prayer uh, with christ along with others that we're not alone in the journey there's always a team um, and grief to grace, there's usually a couple priests and a couple psychologists that are part of that team. But bringing people so that they can meet Christ and 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 get to the root of those wounds and allow Christ to enter in and to heal them of those wounds. Mm. So I don't work grief to grace, but I went and experienced the grief to grace, and uh, it was a it was a fabulous um, thing to to go through and to walk that journey. Um, and I still continue to um, walk the journey afterwards with a couple of the, the women who made the retreat with me. Uh, we kept in contact and continue to, uh, to help and encourage each other. So if, if somebody's hurting from sexual abuse, know that there is a, a, a really incredible resource available to you
2: with Grief to Grace. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. Thank you for telling us of that, and thank you for making the connection then, too, between Grief to Grace and Rachel's Vineyard, knowing that there is a connection to be had, and uh, indeed, when we stand in need of, of healing uh, and, and don't get it, don't either seek it out or, or we don't respond to the offer of it, or quite frankly, if we're not even aware it's being offered, uh, how it can be harmful uh, to us in our continued spiritual life, our continued life of faith. Father, I wanted to ask you, too, specifically about those who have not experienced either abuse or the pain of abortion. How can they talk to those who have experienced that, uh, uh, the pain of abuse and abortion? What what do we need to know when talking uh, to post-abortive women or to those who have been abused? I think
0: one of the first things is we have to... um, to, to recognize they've gone through something that it's very hard for us to wrap our heads around it if we haven't experienced it. Um, so when people say, oh, well, just get over it, you know, our, our time heals all wounds, and these little um, nice little sayings, they're, they're not true and they don't help. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, um, you know, recognize that people have experienced tremendous hurt, And if I haven't experienced that hurt, I can't really get it. Now, by analogy, I can get an idea of what it must be like because I can think about some of my deepest hurts uh, and and things that have have hurt me and then realize that, okay, losing a a child to abortion or having suffered sexual abuse is a lot worse. Um, So um, then I can... You know, up compassion. I think a lot of it is for compassionate. Um, when I was young, and I helped lead the, the rosary outside of abortion clinics and stuff when I was in college, and I have no regrets about doing that um, the praying outside the clinics and things, because uh, it's a very good thing to do. Um, but I didn't have any clue of the hurt that the people had. And if I did, I think it would it would have probably affected my attitude toward them. And uh, so I, I think if we, if we try to stir up within ourselves uh, that suffering with, that's what compassion means, to suffer with someone else. And um, Christ had the deepest compassion and has. Um, he suffers with us in our woundedness. So those of us who have not personally experienced, and I have not experienced, Personally experienced either abortion or, um, or sexual abuse, um, but we can, you know, have the compassion to say I can suffer with this person because at least by analogy I have an idea of of the interior turmoil that that I've experienced about other things in my life, um, and so then then with compassion, some of it is just to be, like I said before, to be with the person to. Sometimes not to say anything. Um, a lot of time we have this idea that we have to we have to come up with the right words. And sometimes what a person needs is somebody to sit there and quietly put their arm around them, or hold their hand, or just sit there and and be there to listen to whatever they have to say. Um, and if the person's angry and they're they seem to be lashing out, realize that this isn't having anything to do with me this is this is the person in their pain and what they really need is for somebody to be able to be there with a compassionate heart and to be praying with them um and helping them to um to know that jesus is there and loves them
2: Yeah, it's amazing how I know in my own life when I have uh, hit some of those areas where just somebody's presence, as you're saying, Father, has meant so much, even if they don't have the words, which I'll be honest that in in a lot of these very complicated, uh, very painful situations, it is hard. It's hard. I have I have messed up and I have said the uh, said the. Well, at least what it feels to me like the wrong things at the wrong times. And uh, sometimes words aren't what are are actually needed at the time, but rather the sense of, as you said, Father, compassion of suffering together with. All right. So uh, I think before we continue on with the phones, Father, we're going to take our next break. Again, we're talking about post-abortive healing, this very important topic with Father Ben Cameron uh, from the Archdiocese of Louisville, Kentucky. And you are listening to The Inner Life. We're going to be back right after this.
1: If you missed part of the program, you can listen to this show and any of your favorites on the Relevant Radio app or online at RelevantRadio.com. This is The Inner Life on Relevant Radio.
2: Welcome back to The Inner Life here on Relevant Radio. My name is Patrick Conley, in for Josh Raymond. And my thanks to our producer, Jim Schaefer, and Nick Sentovich, who is on the phones today for us. My thanks also to our spiritual director, Father Ben Cameron, as we're talking about the very important topic of post-abortive healing. Father, let's go right back to the phones now. We have Rose, who's calling in from Mentone, California. And Rose, uh, yeah, we'd love to hear your story. Rose, welcome to The Inner Life.
4: Oh, yes. Hi. Good morning. Uh, Thank you. Um, Yes, so I just wanted to um, tell you my story. I was uh, 17 years old when I became pregnant. I was going into my senior year of high school, and um, I didn't even think that I would have an abortion, but the counselors and the teachers um, encouraged me that I needed to do that because I was too young, I was going to be able to graduate if I didn't do this so unfortunately I did listen to them and I was taken to the clinic by one of the coaches at the high school, never forget that ride it was so scary but um lo and behold I um got through it tomorrow is my 60th birthday and um even though all this time has gone by, um, the pain and that agony that I felt that day never goes away. It's always with you. And I come from a pretty good, grounded Catholic family. My parents were so good to me and my family. And they, they believe that the prayers of all my family and my parents helped me get through this ordeal. And I tried to explain sometimes to my husband and family members, how important it is, how life is so important, no matter, even if you don't see the child, because there's some people that think, oh, it's just a little piece of cell or whatever their belief is. And um, I just try to explain my experience and how my soul yearns, yearns for that child that I lost. Um, and um, I, I miss him. I believe it was a boy, and I pray and I ask Jesus to please help me, and he has. He really has. I feel I've been healed. I did go talk to a priest shortly after that, and I'll never forget um, the encouragement and the, the empathy that he gave me, and he, when I spoke to him, he looked directly into my eyes Like, he pierced me with his eyes and said, Jesus forgives you, but don't ever do this again. And Mm -hmm. I never did it again. And I'm thankful for that priest. It was a priest at Holy Family Church in Pasadena, which I don't remember his name, but he really helped me get through this time in my life. And um, I just wanted to say that when you surrender yourself to Jesus and you let him take care of everything... Um, he allows you to 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 become healed when you trust in his mercy. And I am totally trusting in Jesus every day of my life because things aren't perfect. And um, unfortunately, two years ago on June 29th, my daughter-in-law and my son decided the best thing for them to do was to abort their fourth child. And... Uh, mm-hmm. I just could not get over that. I was so crushed in spirit, and I still am, still trying to heal from that. And um, the spiraling effect of that abortion has just been enormous on the family. So it's just a cross that we carry, just constant praying, Father, constant um, surrender. And uh, encouragement and love and patience for my son and my daughter-in-law who are actually going through a divorce. And I mm-hmm. remember telling my husband, you know, watch what's going to happen. This whole thing is going to be a big tornado. And it has been. And I, and I just ask for the prayers of the listeners for my son Michael and my daughter-in-law Linda. Linda that somehow God can touch their heart and heal them. And they have three children, and I was blessed to have four children after that. And um, it's just been very trying. And then, uh, but like I said, with the Lord and his mercy, I know that we will get through this.
0: I would encourage you, uh, Rose, for yourself, um, to go through a uh, Rachel's Vineyard because there's still a level of healing there. I can still hear the, the pain in your voice. Um, and the Lord wants to heal you even further. And with the second effect of uh, the second abortion and having lost a grandchild, that could be a, a, a very good thing for you in that regard as well. <clears throat> but I would encourage you also to uh, encourage your son and your daughter-in-law to do rachel's vineyard as well um there's a couple that they're part of my team in kentucky and they they had had an abortion together as a young couple and they said that when they went through the retreat it was the best thing they've ever done for their marriage to heal their marriage because that that ultimately that is the wound that is um dividing your son and your daughter-in-law you know and they may have thought it was the right thing or the best thing to do at the time, but it, you know, in something like that, it, it's never the right thing to do. And so, that that wound, if they if they will bring that wound to the Lord, you know, it is possible that the Lord will uh, help them to actually heal um, their relationship and to uh, to put their family back together. Um, you know, assuming uh, it, that they're fully open to that. But I, I would encourage you for yourself and also for their sake, you know, to uh, share about Rachel's Vineyard, okay?
2: Wonderful. Yes. Thank you, Rose. Thank you for your courage in calling in and telling us your story. We will pray for you. We will pray for Michael and Linda as well. And thank you for having the courage to call in. Let's go from Rose in Menton, California, to Anne, who's calling in from New London, Wisconsin. Anne, welcome to The Inner Life.
4: Hi.
3: I thank you for doing this today. Um, I have a daughter that at 15 and 24, she had abortions. I have come to peace with this. I've been to confession. I'm a devout Catholic. She fell away from the faith. But she deals with such depression and anxiety, and I'm not sure how to help her through all this. She was lucky enough to have another child after this, she has a one-and-a-half-year-old that's just beautiful,
1: mm-hmm.
3: by the grace of God. <laughs>
0: <clears throat> right. Well, depression and anxiety are very common with uh, women who've had abortions. Um, and, again, this is part of the trauma that happens. And there's there's actually, you know, even neuroscience weighs in on the trauma um, and how they... The, the right and left sides of the brain aren't communicating with each other right uh, correctly anymore. So it's something that, you know, you might inc- encourage her to, to go on one of the retreats, one of the Rachel's Vineyard retreats, and, and maybe it would be good um, for you to offer to go with her. Um, and not everybody goes on the retreat as a devout Catholic. Some people aren't Catholic at all. Some people aren't even Christian. Um, as long as they're open to, um, opening their heart up to the true god um you know they can they can receive a lot of healing
1: um
0: but it could also be something that is would be the beginning of your daughter's journey back uh to god back to her faith um but but that's it's not uncommon at all okay and uh so um, I would really just encourage you to to do that, to to make the retreat and to, to ask her to make the retreat with you, um, and um, I, and I think it could be something that would be a, a big help in her in her beginning her healing.
2: And while we've got Ann on the line, Father, maybe I'll just follow up with a with a question to you about: Do you have any suggestions about language we can use to invite someone on a Rachel's Vineyard retreat?
0: I think saying, you know, I know that this this thing that happened uh, is something that that hurt you deeply, and and I was I'm hurting with you, and would you think about making this retreat with me? Um, can we do this together, and and to, and to go and to seek healing uh, for this together for those deep wounds that we that we share or that we have, um, so. Just acknowledging that there's pain, acknowledging that there's that there's something there and saying, "Can I walk with you in this? Can I accompany you in this and 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 go for the healing with you um so not like I'm taking you, you need this, but I need it too and can can I walk this journey with you?
2: Mm-hmm. I think that
0: that's a good way of uh, approaching
2: it. I, I love the idea of of the of saying with you, and while you're still there, do you uh, do you think your daughter would be responsive to something like that if you were to offer to go with her to the retreat?
3: I really think she might, and I think that's a wonderful idea. Thank you so much.
2: Okay, you're very wonderful. welcome.
0: You're very yeah. welcome. We'll pray for that. Okay.
3: Yeah.
2: Thank, Thank you, man. Thank you for the call. Thank you, Father, for uh, great advice there as well. We only have a couple minutes remaining, Father, but just before we ask for your blessing, just wanted to uh, just kind of get around to to the the request for for holiness. That I mean, we're all called to holiness, and sometimes, uh, especially when you know, pretty big sins are involved, we can lose sight of that. Can you just give us a little bit of a thought about how do we pursue holiness uh, in the wake of of large sins, of mortal sins?
0: Um, well, one thing is realizing that most of the saints who became great saints were sinners first. Uh, very few of them, um, you know, just always lived a life close to God. Uh, St. Augustine and many other saints, St. Saint Martyr Cortona, um, lived very bad lives and then god's grace is powerful enough that it transformed them and got the same god who transformed them is the one that we know and who wants to transform us and so actually to help in the regard to people pursuing holiness particularly after abortion i started a little uh, group called the confraternity of our lady of mercy um there's a website olmercy.org would take people to it but it's just a where people can can join if they want in this little plan of life and things to embrace uh to help them to to begin to embrace that call to holiness or to intentionally embrace that call to holiness and realize that God doesn't just want to heal me he didn't just want to forgive he wants to heal and he doesn't just want to forgive he wants me to become holy he wants me to be a saint and ultimately, I think that saints are the ones who change the world for the better, and every one of us has that calling, and, and God will help us to fulfill that, no matter what we've done in our past.
2: Yeah. Well, wonderful, Father. We just have about twenty seconds left for a blessing. Could we ask for that from you now, please? The Almighty God,
0: uh, bless each and every one of you in the, name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit.
2: And Father Ben Cameron from the Archdiocese of Louisville, Kentucky, has been our spiritual director today as we're talking about the very serious but very sensitive and very uh, an opportunity for the Lord to speak into uh, post-abortive healing. So we will pray for our callers. My apologies to those that we weren't able to get on the show today. But coming up right after this is the supreme sacrifice that Jesus himself made for our forgiveness and our healing. The holy sacrifice in the mass comes back to us with Father Rocky from the Chapel of Nativity. God bless you.